Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Well, I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. That is right, and that's the uh, cue for us to go out onto the uh, Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend, Dr. Robert Odell from the Neuropathy Insane uh, Pain Center here in Las Vegas. And uh, last week when we talked to Dr. Odell, he uh, was, I think it was in day five of uh, COVID protocol after testing. Day three. Math was not my uh, strong suit, Dr. Odell. I'm a writer, not a mathematician, so uh, I get a little a little sketchy when it comes to the math. But uh, so uh, three plus seven equals ten. So we're in day ten uh, now. I'm I'm guessing or assuming. How are we feeling, Dr. Odell? I feel great. I felt great for the last four or five days because I had the vaccination, which mitigated the uh, symptoms. Plus, I took some homeopathic stuff, and I did not even have to take hydroxychloroquine. What I got to tell the listeners is this virus is very easy to treat. And the government has sold us a bill of goods by telling us that we have to get vaccinated. It did not work with me. Just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't get it. However, it does mitigate symptoms, especially in high risk people. I'm 74 and healthy, so I don't really consider myself high risk. But I think that, I think that people need to understand how the government has sold us a bill of goods. Sisolak said that we could not even prescribe hydroxychloroquine, which is a travesty for this, because the virus can be knocked out by so many different ways. I think the people that you're listening and, and, and their relatives have to understand how the government is trying to sell us a bill of goods, and it's just not right, Vinny. This goes far beyond sports or anything, and it's all about big pharma trying to make money with these vaccinations. Don't get me wrong. Please get them. And maybe I'm wrong. May I? W- maybe I would have been in an ICU. I don't know. But uh, uh, and I'm certainly not the world's expert on this. Although I don't really believe Dr. Fauci is either. But I do have some very very strong feelings about this now. After having been what they call a quote breakthrough case, because ten days out of my job, all these patients couldn't get treated. I mean. Come on, man. You know. Yeah, and okay. So let's let's uh, let, let's back it up just a, a, a little bit. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, your your recommendation is to get the vaccination, though. Yes. Yes. And what? what but um, if you don't want to. You know that is your choice because uh, it's still a free country. Right. And I I do respect that choice. I do as well, uh, and I'm not you know here to tell anybody to do you know anything that they want to do or don't want to do, whatever the case might be. Um, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a case like professional football, uh, the Raiders, the NFL, there's protocols now that are in place um, for vaccinated players and uh, non-vaccinated players. And it's, a, it's two different worlds, to be honest with you. And what was interesting, um, you know, uh, when players started reporting to training camp and they got a firsthand look of what, Life would be if they weren't vaccinated. I think it it it, it inspired, I guess, or or motivated players 
uh, to to go get the vaccination. And I think the NFL now is is up and above ninety percent. Um, you know, vaccination. And, that, and that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. Yes. Yeah. I, I, that's that's. I guess the, you know. Obviously, there's a fine line here um, of what businesses can, should, shouldn't. You know, be be able to do. And I think we are kind of getting to a point where people are starting to wonder, think, maybe even contemplate different rules for the vaccinated and, and, and the non-vaccinated. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, it sure as hell didn't help me. I mean, you know, I uh, still got it, and I actually gave it to a couple of my uh, employees in Tennessee, I think, uh, uh, 10 days ago. I don't know how I got it. I think perhaps here, but... Um, even though I was vaccinated, which is is uh, mystifying. Keep in mind, Vinny, I'm not an infectious disease expert. Right. And I do not play one on TV, nor do I want to. So with medicine being so sophisticated these days, I mean, I could, you know, everything is so, the knowledge is so deep in every specialty that you cannot, uh, it's almost impossible to be an expert in more than your own, and I don't want to. I don't want to um, uh, make myself out to be an infectious disease. What I do know is that I think the government has sold us a bill of goods. And actually, there's a young lady. Uh, actually, she's my age. She's an African American uh, from South Africa. She's white. I probably shouldn't have said that, but anyway, she's a crack up. She's a brilliant pain management oh. doctor, <laughs> and. She has some really interesting uh, thoughts on the subject because she's researched it. Um, and I don't, I'm not trying to tell your listeners what's right or wrong. I wish I knew, but I'm not sure that we should all take what the government says, you know, at, at face value. Ronald Reagan once said, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And the reason why, Vinny, is because there's a huge big pharma influence to make money on the vaccines. These vaccines aren't free. They're being paid for by the U.S. government. Pfizer, Moderna, all these people are making billions of dollars. And um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm asking your listeners, uh, I'm trying to give them more uh, um, questions and answers. But, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not right when there's a, an illness like this that's so easily treated with cheap, inexpensive drugs that if that had been made available a year and a half ago, a lot of this stuff may not have happened. Well, fair enough. Totally fair enough. We're talking to Dr. Robert O'Dell from the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, of Las Vegas. Hopefully he's going to be back at to work next week. Are we uh, on? No, no, tomorrow, man. I got five blocks. to. There you go. And uh, just so you know. Dude, I'm on it. I'm, you know. (laughs) Can't keep me down. Wasting no time whatsoever uh, to get out and provide the help that uh, that you provide at uh, the Neuropathy and Pain Center, and, and of course, uh, as we always tell uh, the listeners, please give the doctor a call seven zero two two five seven seven two four six. Vinny, you don't have to promote me on this segment. Uh, you know, it's not necessary at all. I just want your listeners to take what I say and 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 spread the word and and question what the government's doing. I don't have all the answers. A lot of times they're well-meaning, but this does not have to be a, uh, a fanfare for my clinic at all because, you know, it's, it's really all about uh, the lockdowns, the stuff that, that never should have happened, you know, that hurt people in so many ways. 
I've been minimally hurt. Ten days, my clinic's closed. No big deal. I can I can survive that. But I'm telling you, so many people have been affected so much more profoundly by bad decisions uh, by by the feds, the state, and the local government. I'm not saying it's an easy decision for them to make, but I, I, I suspect a lot of these folks are motivated more by power than they are for the greater good for all, all of us citizens. Yeah, and anyway, that's no, exactly, and, and kind of sorting through all of that and trying to figure out, you know, who's on the right side or who who we can believe in is it, it's been a it's that's been a hard. Yes. yeah it's been a battle yes. for two hundred yeah. and how long have we been around now two hundred fifty some odd years uh, trying to always figure that that out and that's, hoping. Yeah, hoping we get it. You're a genius. You're a genius. You're absolutely right. I couldn't say. But I do want to give your phone number out because, and it's seven zero two two five seven seven two four six. I'm going to get it through before you tell me to stop. Uh, And we're not. I'm not. I'm honestly not just trying to promote you. What you do is a uh, good deed uh, for the community when it comes to pain. When it comes to pain management. But Vinny, these two segments have been different. They're different. Yes, they are. There's no question about that. But I do want to remind people. I wish, I wish we could do a, a public service. You know, I mean, it's it's so important. It is. And anybody who wants to come to my clinic and discuss this, I'd be happy to see them. Not even charge them if they, if you know they want to, because it's we have to be individuals here, but we and we have to take what the government says with a grain of salt. But I believe that people should get the vaccinations. Uh, so we can get the herd immunity. And, you know, it, it, it may not be the right thing, but it, it does mitigate the symptoms. And, uh, you know, this is a very complex, difficult problem, Vinny, and it's very hard to distill it into, into 15 minutes on the radio, especially when you're talking to uh, a needle jockey and a gas passer. Well, <laughs> not an infectious disease guy, right? And, and we totally understand that. And you have definitely uh, qualified uh, your expertise, and, and honestly, the, the non-expertise, and, and and that is respected. And thank you for that. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I am very curious uh, because you are, you know, getting through COVID nineteen. Were there any, you know, uh, and you are vaccinated, so that obviously, hopefully, helped uh, in terms of, you know, mitigating the virus and the effects that it had uh, on you. But I have to ask, were there some severe moments? Was it pretty easy? No. Oh, well, I was, I was pissed off on Wednesday morning. I shouldn't have said that, sorry. <laughs> I was upset on Wednesday morning when, uh, uh, when uh, my staff tested me and I was positive. I had to go home and stay here for 10 days, but not really. I had a sniffles, a cold, it wasn't a big deal. I felt a little off, but it wasn't that big of a deal. All right. Well, and you're getting... I'm a healthy 74-year-old, you know, so... yeah, I could tell. I could tell with that passion and fire and uh, and enthusiasm and uh, you know um, and 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 those are all good things. And and you're also a very positive person in a lot of ways. So that, I am. that always. When are you coming to the Kona Grill? Speaking of positivity, um, we're trying to put that together. Uh, by the way, we will be out at uh, Treasure Island on Friday nights uh, at the uh, sports book uh, at Treasure Island. No, uh, no, starting next week, uh, starting on okay. the thirteenth. So um, if you happen to be around uh, next week at, uh, near Treasure Island, come on by from 4 to 6. But if I go down to Treasure Island, I might get in trouble. Oh, well, hey, I have nothing to do with that, Dr. O'Dell. Uh, when you, no, you know, what happened? I'm, I'm, bra- I'm bragging. Just don't even... <laughs> 
don't even uh, take it that into consideration. What happens at the Treasure <laughs> Island stays at the Treasure <laughs> Island. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dr. Odell, uh, I, it's great to hear you're in great spirits and uh, and and uh, that that everything is fine and, and that oh, you're good you. and thank you're you. out of the woods. And then you're going to get back out to work. I'm going to. I never, Vinny. I was never in the woods. Okay. You know. All right. I just felt bad for the patients I couldn't treat for the last ten days. You well, know? You're, yeah, you're getting back at it tomorrow. We're happy about that. Please give them a call seven zero two two five seven seven two four six if you're dealing with any kind of pain. Don't think that you got to oh, be John Vinny, Wayne. Vinny, I got to tell you something. We got a new program for PTSD. Okay. Stellate ganglion blocks. Uh, those of you that have it, or if you have any vet friends that have it, just give us a call. Let us know. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I appreciate that. Continued. Uh, it sounds like you're great. So uh, uh, oh. no, no more. Go ahead. Well, one more, one more thing is yes. that, is that uh, Michael is going to Michael Moses is going to be fully engaged next few weeks. So when we get into the injury, <clears throat> excuse me, the injury reports, I'll have a professional to help me. With, with the acute stuff. Okay? okay, awesome, because we're going to be starting to talk about all of those type of things because the first game is a week from tomorrow. Uh, I, I got an interesting question for you. Do you know that the hockey team, they do not report injuries? That's so interesting, isn't it? Right. They, 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 they. I don't know if they don't report them, but they, no, they don't. They, yeah, they, they keep it covered. It's like a lower when body I injury. To Ryan, it was like, you know. What do we talk about? Yeah, they they so do the uh, it's it's they they uh, they they refer to it as a lower body injury or an upper body injury. That's the length that they go. You know, Marsha Show lives in my uh, complex here. Oh wow, nice. And and uh, last August before the 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 uh, uh, before the uh, season, he was skating around with his shirt off, uh, using roller skates on the cement. My wife said going almost as fast as on the ice. I'm not sure I believe that, but. She really liked that view. I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. <laughs> and that, and on that note, <laughs> uh, Dr. Odell, thank you so much. We will talk to you next right, week. Thanks. Hopefully we'll see you uh, at the Treasure Island. Appreciate it. I can't wait. All next right. Friday? Next Friday. What time? Uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, maybe I'll do it. Thank uh, you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Stop on by. That's Dr. Robert Odell from the Neuropathy and Pain Center. You're in, lo- you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I was definitely surprised by the uh, big reaction. It was it was incredible. I thought nobody would care. Um, but it was just such a good feeling to have all the support. I was glad I could do my part to uh, help bring visibility and representation to the to my community that's Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib uh today over at the practice facility in Henderson talking about um his big announcement coming out uh as the first actively gay active NFL player the um you know the first active NFL player who is gay uh tried to get that out um and uh you know say it correctly word it correctly uh, so that you understand what what it means, and and you know uh, it's 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 interesting because you know even for Carl Nassib, NFL player, um, you know Las Vegas Raiders, high profile team, high profile you know NFL player, you know you in in your life you're just thinking about like when I write my stories, all right, I don't think about how many 
sometimes millions of people will, will, will read it or, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands uh, uh, sometimes, uh, or how many people are listening on the radio right now? You're not thinking about it. You're focused on your job. Uh, you're focused on doing the best job that you possibly can. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I don't, I, I can't allow myself to think about how many people are going to actually read this story that I write. I just want to write the best, most accurate story that I possibly can. So you put those blinders on and you work from that perspective. You don't, concern yourself you know if you're on television how many people are actually watching it gets into your head anyway and it you know it kind of messes you up you just try to do the best you you possibly can so you look at yourself from that perspective uh sometimes um and especially you know somebody like carl nassif he's not Derek carr he's not a face of a franchise he's not one of the premier players i think nfl fans know who carl nassif is uh, and that's a lot, but he, you know, even even when you're a Carl Nassib or or you know a player of that level, you kind of lose track or, or 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 perspective of how many people actually know you. So for him, when he's making uh, you know that announcement, obviously on some level he understands like this is going to be a news story. I'm a player in the NFL, and I'm coming out. Uh, as as the first player in the NFL, the first active NFL player to come out uh, as gay, that's a pretty big deal. I would imagine, um, you know, in his thought process, he knew that it was going to be news. But you never assume that it's going to be as far-reaching or as big as it is. Or you, it doesn't even necessarily cross your mind. Sometimes I've talked to players who, you know, major major players who go out of the country to Thailand or Asia or you know, someplace in, in the Netherlands or, or wherever, and, and people are coming up to them and saying hi, and they're shocked that people knew who they were, you know, in far reaches of the world. And it's like you lose track of that. You lose sense of that. You're just trying to do your job. And, uh, and, and it doesn't really dawn on you how many people you sometimes touch or affect. Um, and so for, for Carl – realizing after it, you know, he made his announcement, just how far reaching that is. Um, you know, it was, it was, I'm sure like not necessarily a humbling feeling, but wow, that, it was, it was that big, you know, totally different subject, totally different, uh, situation. But, you know, I don't know for the older, uh, fans here, they will remember, I'm sure, uh, where they were when they heard magic Johnson announced that he had tested positive for HIV. Right. And it was, Literally on every CNN, every news outlet at the time, this was 1991, whatever, all the national news shows, the nightly news shows, uh, all all over the world, right? And so, he, you know, he gets home after making this, this heart-wrenching uh, announcement, and he's watching it on TV and just tripping out, like, how big this actually was. And so his agent at the time, a guy by the name of Lon Rosen, a friend of mine for many, many years, he was calling Lon, his agent, saying, I, it's, it's everywhere. It's like on CNN. It's on, and he's like, Irvin, you're Magic Johnson. You know, uh, you mean something to a lot of people. This is big news. And so even Magic Johnson, who was the biggest star in the NBA at that time, or one of them, you know, had lost kind of perspective on just how big he actually is and what he means. You talk to the dream team. You know, um, and and that first dream team, and when they went to Barcelona, they were the Beatles. They were a rock band. Everywhere where they went in Spain, uh, you know, there were there was just hordes and hordes of fans that were you know uh, by their bus, by their hotel, everywhere, and they were like, man, we were blown away by this. And so, and like 
on the outside, you're going, why would you be blown away with that? You're, you're Charles Barkley. You're Michael Jordan. You know, you're bigger than life. And for people all over the world, they know you, you know, so, so Carl, you know, even in his world and the, the, the uh, announcement that he made, you know, to, to go, wow, I was even surprised by how big that became, but you know, in the, in the whole scheme of things, it was it was helpful and and it was interesting because I got a uh, an email just about a week ago that I have to respond to and if you're listening I'm sorry that I haven't uh, responded because I wanted to give it a little bit more time before I could give a answer with proper perspective but it was a uh, it was a writer from a magazine uh, that you know it's like a um, a gay publication I, I want to say out or I forget what the name of it is but you know there's publications for for everything. And so this was a, a gay-centric magazine. And he, you know, emailed me to, to ask, hey, what's the reaction been? What's it been like covering, you know, uh, an openly gay NFL player? Was it as big a story as people would make it out to be? Because remember, for years, you know, you would hear, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the, the distra- distraction. The, the, the teammates aren't going to, going to accept it. It's going to dominate the news. It's going to dominate, you know, training camp and practices in the season. And I haven't responded to that email, but I'm going to because now that two weeks into practice, I kind of have a better perspective of things. No, it's not a big deal at all. It's not a big deal at all. Now, granted, we're not you know in the locker room uh, every day, uh, but I have enough people that I know on the team that it's not a big deal there either. Whatever thoughts anyone might have, which I don't think anyone really has many thoughts at all about it. You know, this isn't 1975. This isn't 1985. This isn't even 1995 or 2005. It's 2021. And whether you directly know somebody or are related to somebody or work with somebody, almost every one of us, let's face it, has knows somebody who's gay. Let's, I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. And it's fine. I don't, you know, I, I just, it's, it's acceptable. It's accepted. And it's not a big deal. It was never a big deal. It should have never been a big deal. Um, you see it on television. You see it in commercials. You see it uh, on television shows. There's main plot lines, you know, with, with, with gay um, characters. My kids watch, they love the show, um, fa- uh, the family show. What the heck is it called? Uh, Modern Family. All right. If you don't, if you are a fan of Modern Family, you know that uh, there's two, there's a couple, a gay couple on that on that show. Uh, prominent characters, great characters, hilarious, uh, central figures of of that of that show, um, right? And and there's The Office had a had a gay character. Those are two of the, my kids' favorite shows. So they grew up basically watching those shows, probably from around eight years old, you know. And the way those shows handled those characters, especially Modern Family. You know, it was no big deal. You know, uh, it, it, it you know sometimes it became part of the storyline in a funny way, typically. Uh, but but it was everyone loved each other, everyone accepted each other. It was all cool. So it was funny because a couple of years ago we run into uh, Phil Dunphy, uh, the and I forget his actor, the actor's name. Um, I apologize for that, but he's a main character on the show. He's a big Rams fan. You happen to be at a Rams game that my family was at, and. Um, they took pictures with him, and I just happened to be there when it all happened. And I told him, I said, you know, I got to thank you. And he's like, why? What? You know, I was like, you know, the the whatever, however uncomfortable I may have been 
you know, talking to my kids about that subject, you know, because you have to teach your kids, you know, uh, tolerate, uh, be open minded, all those good, all those, you know, uh, great attributes that you want all your children to live and aspire to be. I go, it was them watching your show. And learning about, you know, homosexuality and, and it's no big deal and the way you guys handled those characters, I didn't have to say anything because they just watched that show and it was no big deal. They had friends, uh, it, classmates and that, 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 are, that are gay from middle school on up, you know, now obviously in high school. So it's become more and more, and I, I hate the word accepted because it's not like we have to accept anything. It's just become more and more, so what? Who cares? It's a fact of life and a, a great fact of life. And so it's not a big deal. So the long, long and short of it is what everyone always assumed would be this all-consuming team tearing apart. It's going to be uh, you know, uh, bigger than the team. The story is going to dominate the, scene, the, the team. No coach is going to want that distraction uh, of having to deal with it. It's been anything but. It hasn't even been a consideration, not even a blip on the screen. Nobody cares. When I'm out at practice, I'm watching the team. How's uh, 98 doing? How's 99 doing? Uh, how's 4 throwing the ball today? How's 8 throwing the ball today? It's n it's not even in the realm of anything. We knew we were going to have to talk to Carl Nassib at some point. He hadn't talked to the media, had made uh, his announcement. We knew that you know we're going to talk to him and and get his thoughts and that was that. And that's that that is that. I'm it's 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 beyond that point now. And uh and I thought Carl handled himself tremendously today. Uh, I think he's handled himself great throughout, um, and uh, and now he's going to move on his with his life and getting out on the football field and trying to help the Raiders win, and that's all anybody in that locker room cares about. That's all anybody uh, in Raider Nation should care about, and certainly I, I don't care one way or another <laughs> uh, at all, haven't at all. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, obviously you have to write about it. It is a story. It's a historical, uh, type of a things, but now everybody gets to move on with their life and rightfully so, uh, we are going to go out to the Raider nation guest line. Sorry to keep Evan waiting. What am I doing? But I had to, I had to talk about that. I had to kind of get that off, uh, my chest and share my thoughts and my feelings, uh, on, on the situation, which isn't really a situation. That's, that's the whole point of the story. It's not a big situation. Uh, but, but we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line. Evan Grout, our good friend uh, from Just Pod Baby. Uh, Evan, how are you doing? Thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Two weeks in, basically. Uh, things are kind of shaping uh, up uh, about a week away from the first preseason game, which I know everyone's jacked up about. Uh, how are you doing? And any initial thoughts on after two weeks of Raiders camp? Yeah, hey, Vinny, I'm, I'm glad to be on with you. And uh, yeah, you know, Heard a lot of a lot of positives coming out of the camp, and and I have to tell you, if I had to, you know, choose one thing that I that I'm most excited about to have seen and also heard about from week two of training camp, it's definitely the positive news and positive reviews surrounding Alex Leatherwood. I've heard you speak about it, um, you know, on in the huddle this week. I've watched the the few clips that are out there uh, of Leatherwood in those one to one drills. I've seen him go up against Crosby. Uh, I saw him going up against Gakaway, you know, all of these clips that are on Twitter. And, and I tell you, he, he does look great right now. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and uh, say that, you know, he's a, he's a stunt already based on five reps that I saw on Twitter. But 
Um, it does look like it and sound like that he, he belongs. And, and, and maybe a lot of the fans out there, like myself, I'll, I'll admit that, who who thought of this pick as a bit of a reach at 17 might might now be, um, be beginning to eat their words. And, and, I, and I hope that I do eat my words because, um, you know, I'll be the first to admit that if and when I am wrong, um, the offensive line, they need it, right? We know there is a, um, a lot of turnover um, in this group, so I think it'll be important for him to come in in year one and, and be a solid player. Um, and I think that, you know, the offensive line was one of the aspects of this team that I had you know, some concerns with due to the turnover, but I'm already just starting to, you know, starting to feel a little bit better uh, about the offensive line as a whole and, and especially about the selection of Alex Leatherwood um, at 17 overall. All right, you brought it up, Evan, uh, that you might have to eat some words, I guess, which we're not going to force you to eat any words. Evan, come on. Uh, but, 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 uh, what was the, um, what was the, uh, genesis or what was, what, you know, for, for the misgivings about that pick? Was it what you heard from analysts? What was it from your own film study? Because I always like to ask people like, uh, what was their negative reaction based on? Yeah. You know, um, a lot of, a lot of my opinion went into, you know, what I was reading from some of the, 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 the draft the experts out there, uh, you know, as part of my podcast each year, I like to have on um, Dane Brugler, who is the, the, the draft expert over at The Athletic. And, and you know, during our interview, I asked him specifically, and this was prior to the draft, one of the offensive linemen I asked him specifically about was Alex Leatherwood. And, and, and you know, some of the comments that he, he had about Leatherwood weren't necessarily negative things that he said about um Leatherwood, but he thought he projected more as a guard at the next level. So I, I just kind of had some questions about maybe the position. Could he step in day one and be a, a starting right tackle? Um, and, and, you know, um, I think one of the things that maybe I overlooked in that whole process was, you know, the pedigree. You know, coming from Alabama, having, um, you know, the amount of starts that he had under his belt, uh, playing in, in, in big games, big moments, you know, um, playing on one of the offense, best offensive lines in college football and being a, a, a big part of that. Obviously, he won the, uh, uh, I can't recall the name of the award, but the offensive lineman of the Outland year. Trophy. Yes, Outland Trophy Award. Thank you, Vinny. Um, you know, so I, I may have overlooked the pedigree that came along with Alex Leatherwood, and I was a little bit too hyper-focused on maybe or not, whether or not he was truly a, a tackle at the NFL level or, or guard. But as I said, I'll be the first to admit, anytime I'm wrong, you know, I go on my podcast and I, I rant and rave sometimes, but I'll be the first to admit when I, when I make mistakes. Yeah, no worries. Uh, no worries about it. I was just kind of wondering what the, uh, what the basis uh, of that was, because I, the more I think about it, um, you know, you, you look at Alex Leatherwood and you just meant the Outland Trophy Award winner, a three-year starter at Alabama, uh, the anchor of what was voted the top offensive line in the country last year, uh, played a bunch of games, um, was, was a quality player, obviously, to win the awards uh, that, that he won. So that was what I was always, when I looked at his and I remember I got a text on that pick. It was it was I have a you know a, a source in the NFL that works for another team that sees it all. So it was probably a good three minutes before the pick was fully announced. And at first I was like Alex Leatherwood, that's kind of out of the blue. Um, but then I quickly started really looking at just some of the. I knew where he went. I knew I watched some film of him. Uh, I wasn't you know one hundred percent on everything that he had done. Then I started looking at. It. I was like, well, you know. 
this is the highest level you could possibly do it at. So, um, you know, from that perspective, I was like, how bad can he be? You know, like I'm listening to the, to some of the, the national uh, people and they were, they were kind of going on and on about it. I was like, huh, that, it sounds like they'd picked somebody from East Carolina, not Alabama that just won the Outland Trophy Award. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you're coming around uh, and there's no doubt watching him. I was keying in on him today. It was a very physical practice today, uh, and they were getting after it uh, in some some run periods. And he fires off the ball, and then when he gets his hands on somebody, it's pretty much over with. That's how strong and overwhelming he can be uh, in, in in that phase. I'm sure he's got work to do on the pass game and 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 all that. But but he's he seems to have that pedigree. He seems to have the demeanor. Um, and did you hear him talk on Saturday? I just wanted to get your thoughts quickly on, uh, on, on, on his talk with the media on Saturday, if you got a chance to look at that. Actually, you know, that was, I did not hear that one. I, I've gotten to hear just about all of them. I, Leatherwood was one of the guys that I still have not heard off to go back and, and, and listen to that one. But if you, you know, go ahead and fill me in a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, he just, he has a way about him um, that's very professional, very, um, I, I called it, I, when I was talking to Josh Jacobs, I said an old man feel to him in a good way, you know, like a like a veteran kind of a feel. And Josh just started to laugh. He's like, man, that's the way Alex has been forever. And, Alex, you know, obviously Josh was there when Alex shows up as a, uh, as a freshman, uh, I think Jacksonville, Florida, and just... Was always had always had that demeanor, very serious, very uh, hard work, cracked a joke here and there, but mostly was was a guy that was on task at all times. And and so, um, listening to him talk and talking about that's always how I've been, you know, that's how I was taught, you know, and and uh, and and you know, you go to a place like Alabama, you got to compete, you got to be okay with competing. Because there's going to be a whole bunch of good players, and if you don't, uh, you're not going to play for very long. So, just his his demeanor was really, to me, um, very revealing about who he is, and I think it gives him a fighting chance uh, to be uh, a, a pretty darn uh, good player. We're talking to uh, our good friend Evan Grote uh, from Just Pod Baby, um, Evan. A couple of new signings uh, recently. I uh, wanted to get your your thoughts uh, uh, on on Gerald McCoy, the addition on the defensive line. Yeah, well, you know, I was really glad to hear you uh, talking about how how you think that the signing of McCoy is, you know, it's less about someone who, who they currently have on the roster that maybe isn't showing out like they thought he would, because that was what my first thought was when I heard that they, with, when they signed McCoy, I was like, oh boy, who, who you know, who's not performing well? Is that line not going to have as much depth as maybe they thought? So, you know, um, I'm glad to hear that that might not be the case. It sounds like they're just looking to add another body to that room, someone who they feel like can, can add to that rotation and, and be a contributor, uh, you know, should he make the roster. And, and I think the question that many of us have is, you know, how much does he have left in the tank at age 33, right? I mean, he's, he, he's you know, a little long in the tooth. He's, he's coming off the torn quad. Um, and, again, if he does indeed make the 53, um, I don't think he'll be expected to come in and play a larger amount of snaps. You know, he'd be there more as a rotational guy, provide you know, a little juice in the pass rush. His last full season in, in 2019, he did get five sacks. I think I think we'd be thrilled if we could have an interior pass rusher uh, have five sacks. Uh, I don't, you know, I can't recall. Maybe Mo Hurst had a few a couple of years ago, but they definitely could use that type of um, you know uh, player in, in the inside and. I do wonder if he is able to make the team, you know, does that mean, though, that one of these other guys, perhaps, you know, maybe a Matt Dickerson or maybe the, the rookie Darius Stills, does he maybe go to the practice squad or, you know, who knows what happens with Solomon Thomas. I know I've heard you say the coaches 
still do like him, but it, it comes down to a numbers game, and, and if McCoy's going to make the team, you can only keep so many defensive linemen. So that is one of the things that um, I'm going to keep be keeping an eye on, you know, uh, going forward. And then with the signing of Bo Scarborough, you know, he's kind of bounced around the league a bit, a couple different teams, hasn't really been able to, to – you know, find his way, but, you know, we, we know one thing. John Gruden and Mike Mayock, they love them from Alabama, right? So, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, he kind of um, has an element to his game, being such a big big body guy, he's a physical player. Um, that That's something that, you know, Jacobs doesn't really offer that. I mean, Jacobs can run the ball with physicality, but not as uh, as big of a guy, and obviously Kenyon Drake's a little bit smaller player as well as Jalen Richard. so... Um, you know, I don't know if that's more, again, maybe more of a camp body signing or if they're just kind of kicking the tires on him. Maybe down the road, if they have to bring in another running back due to an injury, you know, they've done their homework on him. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see the Raiders are being active. They're not kind of resting on their laurels. They're looking to improve this roster, and, and that's a good sign for this team. Evan, we spoke to uh, Foster Moreau today, um, who is one of the more interesting, uh, introspective uh, players on the Raiders, and there's actually a lot of them. I, I give Mike Mayock and John Gruden uh, a lot of credit. They've, um, you know, they've, they've made it a point to populate this team and this locker room with good guys and hard workers and guys that love football and smart guys, guys that are character-driven, guys that uh, don't need to, you know, have a foot uh, kick them in the you-know-what to get them going, self-starters. Um, and and it, it's starting to show. It's starting to show when you talk to guys like Kenyon Drake, when you start to talk to guys like Zay Jones, and obviously Derek Carr um, is, is great in that regard, and Josh Jacobs is great in that regard. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to Foster, first of all. Did you? Um, and and if you did, uh, what were your thoughts on on his thoughts? And he's 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 he gets he goes pretty deep. Uh, Foster Moreau does. Yeah, I did hear I did hear uh, Foster's interview from today, and and uh, you know you, you talk about bringing in guys with high character and and guys who love football. I uh, I recall during this past year's draft, joking that uh, I believe it was four of the players that the Raiders drafted from this year's class were, were team captains uh, last year in college. I think Leatherwood was one of them. Merrick, I believe, was a captain. Nate Hobbs was a team captain. And there's one more I know, and I'm just not I'm drawing a blank who it was, but um, this has been kind of the, the method for the Raiders. Foster Moreau was another team captain, I recall, when he was drafted. So, yeah, they're definitely trying to you know address that part of the team, bringing in guys with, with leadership qualities, love the football game of football that we talked about. And, and I have to admit, Foster Morrow, he was so articulate. Um, it's very refreshing to hear a young, a young guy like that being able to express himself. And, and you know, I heard you talking about the, the Jason Witten, uh, the, 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 the effect that Jason Witten uh, had on him last year as a young player. And, uh, you know, talking about admitting when I'm wrong, I was one of those, you know, narrow-minded fans that you were speaking about earlier. I, you know, I just never really, you know, I never really understood the signing of Witten from an on-the-field perspective, you know, and I think I might have overlooked, you know, how important it is to have a presence like Witten in the locker room, uh, in the tight end room specifically, you know, and again, hearing Foster Moreau today articulating what it meant to have Witten there with him and, and to help him along as a, with his development as a young player, um, you know, it's, it's just not every day you get the opportunity to play alongside with a future Hall of Famer, and you know, a player like Moreau, who's, who's you know entering his, his third year, he can, he could, he has a chance to pick his brain and, and pick up different aspects from his game, and, and so in the long term, it's going to be great for Morrow. And you know, I'm sure Darren Waller picked up a few trips as well from Wayne. But yeah, it was it was really refreshing to hear 
how articulate uh, Foster Morrow was and, and, and how well-spoken he was. I agree, and uh, I think uh, he is set up for a pretty decent year, or pretty, you know, a, a bigger year. Let's put it that way. Uh, and I think that he can be somebody that uh, the Raiders can start relying on uh, to to do more things, kind of build off that rookie year that he had. He has a way of getting in the end zone. He's got seven touchdowns of his twenty eight uh, pass receptions. So that, I like that ratio uh, a lot. Evan, uh, thank you so much for joining us in the huddle. Have a great weekend. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Uh, be well, my friend. Keep up the All right, thank you very much. That's Evan Grote from Just Pod Baby. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahar. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM in the huddle. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Mitch is in New Jersey. How you doing, Mitch? How's it going, Vinny? Hope everything's well. Uh, Two hours, that's not enough. Come on. What was that? It was three. You said more than two hours. You got got a lot to say. Okay, yeah. Trying to make me work more, I see. What's that? Are you working tomorrow? No. Oh, well, of course. The Raiders are practicing tomorrow so uh, and Sunday, by the way. So, um, uh, yeah, Ali will definitely be working uh, tomorrow. It's a tough job. Somebody has to do it. Exactly. You do it well. Exactly. You mentioned about Ed O'Neill. I did. He's a little famer in t- two different uh, skits. You know, you know, modern family, married with children, which is what's the big deal. I, I wish I had uh, at least one more. But anyway... Um, I guess the old Chuck Noll, you know, he almost made it as a defensive lineman. I guess the defensive end because he doesn't look that big. But you look at him in the uh, modern family, you can see you can see that he had power. Yeah, I guess it was a it must have been a pretty good college player to get drafted, get a trial with Chuck Noll. But um, I guess he owes a lot to Chuck Noll for his uh, present career Hall of Fame in his own right, like the one percent. Oh yeah, very for tough sure. To make it, very tough to make it in Hollywood, music, uh, musicians. I don't want to go on and on. I can't believe the season coming. Speak by one percent, maybe it's two percent. These college football players, they got you know have more gratitude. You know, I'm looking forward to the uh, USC also the pros in college football, USC especially. I hear Brew McCoy. <laughs> I guess that that um, I guess it's not the right McCoy like, that we that we signed, but Bruce McCoy he's out on domestic leave. He's gonna miss another year. He's probably get kids out. I mean, how, what kind of a head does he have on his shoulders? It's the two percent, top one percent. You should be kissing the, the ground that you work, that you, you uh, should be kissing the ground that you live in. The, the greatest country in the world because uh, a lot of these kids. I know it's hard. So, like you said, it's one percent. Oh, I want to say. Sorry if your head spinning there, Vinny. <laughs> all um, good, all good. Uh, yeah, there's no. Moment. Go ahead. Okay. No, you, you go ahead first. This is your show. Uh, no, um, well, great thoughts. Uh, appreciate it. Um, uh, thank you so much. We're running to the uh, to the end of the line here, uh, but uh, but uh, definitely give us a call uh, next week. Uh, there is uh, you know practice tomorrow. Uh, there is some practice uh, on Sunday. I think people are going to be pretty pumped up uh, when they uh, when they hear about Sunday. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. But. Um, 
keep an eye out for 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 all that and uh, uh can't wait to talk to you guys on friday or excuse me on monday uh by the way reminder we're going to be out at uh, the treasure island on friday Next Friday, uh, the 13th, it's going to be the first uh, of our uh, weekly Friday weekly shows uh, there um, at the, uh, the, the the Treasure Island Sportsbook. Uh, can't wait to start that. I'll give you all the information on Monday, and we'll be talking about it uh, uh, throughout the week. There's also uh, what we've been talking about, um, the Rockstar Bar uh, over on the uh, Las Vegas Boulevard, where the day before games, the day before Raider home games, uh, from about 5 o'clock on, um, we're going to have a Raider Nation radio day before Raider Nation radio rally um, over at the Rockstar Bar from 5 till whenever. Uh, we're going to have music. We're going to have food. We're going to have uh, giveaways. We're going to have Q&As with myself. Q is going to uh, be there. It's going to be a gathering place. <clears throat> For Raider fans here in Las Vegas and Raider fans that are going to be traveling in the day before the game uh, to go see the Raiders. So we're going to be starting that on the 12th of September over at the Rockstar Bar. Uh, I'll have more information as uh, we get closer, but circle it in your calendar. If you're a Raider fan and you're listening and you're going to be in town uh, the day before the Monday night game and the day before every game moving forward, every home game moving forward, Come join us over at the Rockstar Bar. I'll have all the details. Just listen up. I'll tweet it out and all that. But it's a great chance for us to get to know the listeners, Raider fans, talk Raider football, talk NFL football. Uh, we'll be having NFL games on TV that day, obviously, because it's a Sunday. Typically, it'll be on a Saturday. We'll watch some college football, have some beer together, drinks, um, eat together, listen to some music, uh, do a Q&A, have some handouts, give outs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, please join us. Uh, it's going to be the go-to place uh, the day before Raider games for Raider Nation Radio. Uh, I want to say thanks to uh, Evan Grote. I um, want to say thanks to Dr. Odell. I want to say thanks to Damon Cotton uh, for helping us, uh, keeping us uh, in line. I want to say thanks uh, to all the listeners, uh, everybody that uh, always takes part. Um, you're why we do this. Uh, really appreciate uh, everybody. Um, we'll be back at it on Monday, 4 to 6 p.m., in the Huddle, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.